Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. 2020 was a big year of holidays for us as a family. You know, Alice, my middle daughter, headed out to New Zealand with her husband, Sam, just before Christmas to tour the South Island and also to visit family in Auckland and Raglan. Uh, And they had a month away, uh, it's most of January, and they loved it. So in February, Sarah and I headed out to Auckland for a three-week stay with Sarah's sister and family. And it was during this time that we started to see reports of this new virus from China that was starting to spread and infect people across the world. So on our return to Heathrow, we were handed the coronavirus information sheets, which basically I just stuck in my pocket and didn't think anything more about. Sam, my oldest child, and his girlfriend Eliza were heading out to Auckland in April during the Easter holidays to visit Eliza's grandparents. They too were really excited about the holiday until lockdown was announced in March, and they saw their hopes of an amazing holiday disappear as all flights were cancelled and everyone was told to stay at home. Their holiday was eventually cancelled and they've had to work hard at getting their money back for it. One more, uh, for their golden wedding, my in-laws, Malcolm and Hazel, were booked to go on a cruise of the Norwegian fields. uh, In fact, it was this month. And sadly, due to coronavirus, they've had to pull out of the trip. And what's happened in our family reflects millions of other families in the same boat, you know, whose hopes were to have a special time away and that's no longer possible or allowed which is where the staycation approach has been picked up by many people. You know, staying at home, but making the most of a disappointing situation. You know, many Glastonbury festival goers watched repeats of Glastonbury on TVs and laptops while sitting in tents or in the garden, you know, with, um, with drinks and bunting and festival makeup and barbecues. It wasn't what they wanted, but they made the most of the situation. And if your holiday abroad has been cancelled or postponed uh, until next year, you know, it's easy to get upset and depressed and miserable. Or you can make the most of the situation and learn a new way of holidaying, of the staycation. And that's what the Currens have been doing recently, with Sean back from South Africa and Alexis back from Qatar. They're making the most of being at home as a family together. Now, what we're experiencing regarding holidays is what we experience in many aspects of life. You know, we have a hope, a plan, an image in our minds of something great, and then stuff happens, and the reality is far from what we'd imagined or hoped for. You know, some problems can be solved, hence a staycation, but in other areas of life, we're left with a set of circumstances that just can't change, and we have to live with them. And the question that I want to ask today is this, what do we do when life doesn't work out in the way that we'd hoped or expected? I mean, how do we respond to those disappointments in life? Well, maybe you've hoped to be married, but you're still alone. Uh, And you've had several false starts and you're lonely and nothing fills the hole of that loneliness. And maybe you're lonely in marriage and marriage just isn't great. I mean, it's not bad enough to separate, but no one seems to want to change and you're frustrated with the way that it's going. And you look at the future and it just goes bleh. For others, it may be your work life and you're stuck in a job that's going nowhere, you know, bringing little joy and yet you can't afford to leave. And so you're stuck. Or maybe it's your mental health and you've struggled with depression and medication numbs those lowest thoughts, but you just can't shake it. And maybe the coronavirus has triggered that depression even more and life looks bleak for you. 
So how are we supposed to deal with these situations? I mean, this can be made even harder if you call yourself a Christian because you've prayed about these situations. You've believed God that your heavenly father would sort things out and make things better, but he hasn't. And what do you do when things like that happen and there's nothing you can do? I mean, what's the equivalent of a staycation in your marriage or with mental health? How can you make the most of a bad deal? Well, if this is how you're feeling right now, let me remind you um, that you're not the first to experience this. You're, You're not alone in being trapped and stuck. Others have gone before us and maybe we can learn from their experiences. I mean, take John the Baptist, this eccentric character who had paved the way for Jesus, baptizing him and then got arrested and found himself stuck in prison for over a year. I mean, he knew that Jesus knew where he was and Jesus had done nothing to rescue him. And after a year or more of waiting for his release, he sends some of his followers to ask Jesus a question. You know, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? You know, John was in prison because he'd spoken up against Herod Antipas, who was the son of Herod the Great, the ruler in the Christmas story. And Herod Antipas had run off with his brother's wife, Herodias. John had taken every opportunity to challenge Herod about this because it was wrong and eventually Herodias got tired of it and persuaded Herod to arrest him. Now, Jesus loved John. They they were cousins. John had many followers and yet he'd stepped back to allow Jesus to step forward. And Jesus spoke so highly of John. He once said this, he said, no one has ever lived who has ever lived is as great as John the Baptist. Uh, And what would you expect Jesus to do when he hears John when he hears he's in prison. Well, bust him out, send an angel to do it. What does Jesus do? Nothing. Other than move further away from the prison that John's staying in. And Jesus told them, go back to John and tell them what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those who with leprosy are cured and the deaf hear. The dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And then Jesus says the strangest thing in the very next sentence that he knew would make us wonder. And this is powerful. For those of you who are experiencing life as you haven't wanted it, you're waiting in the desert dungeon and, and there's no court day. This is what he adds. God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Fall away means to stumble or to be tripped up or to be offended by. And the implication of Jesus' words is this, that there will be things that I do that don't make sense. There will be times when I don't step in and rescue you. Happy is the man or woman who maintains faith anyway, who believes and trusts anyway. Blessed is the one who follows me anyway, even when you don't get your prayers answered in the way that you want me to do, or I don't act in the way that you want me to. Happy or blessed are those who don't confuse my silence with my absence. And then there was another occasion where two sisters sent messengers to Jesus because they were worried and upset. And they said, Lord, the one you love is very sick. And they don't even mention his name because they know he knew who they were talking about because Jesus loved him. The one Jesus loved was his good friend, Lazarus. And what would you expect Jesus to do regarding a good friend who's sick? Well, jump up and rush to his friend to heal him. I mean, Jesus was good at healing, right? I mean, he'd healed thousands of people. So come on, Jesus, let's get going. And what does Jesus do? Well, although... Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He stayed where he was for the next two days. What? 
He doesn't do anything. He lets Lazarus die. What the heck is going on? I mean, this trusting in Jesus isn't much fun, is it? I thought he loved him. And that's the point. He does love Lazarus and Mary and Martha and you and me. And he is interested, even if he seems absent. And this instance, he does eventually go and raise Lazarus after he's been dead for four days. Now, in the New Testament, we encounter a man called Paul, who used to be a Pharisee and hated Christians. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was turned around. And he's passionate about telling people about Jesus. So he travels around and establishes churches in the known world. And then something happens to Paul, something that will stop him becoming proud and something so bad that he pleads with God to take it away. Paul writes this in his letter to uh, the Corinthians. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Now, Paul doesn't say what this thorn was, but that's possibly on purpose. You see, we can insert what our thorn in the side is, whether it's depression or Tourette's or acne. You know, it's something that he had to live with constantly that was embarrassing and debilitating and permanent. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three different seasons of intense prayer, not just three quick prayers. And each time he said, and, and don't you wish you heard God's voice in your circumstances? He says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. In other words, embracing our inability is a prerequisite for experiencing God's ability. So now I'm proud to, um, to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And what did Paul say at the start? He said, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given. The thing he wanted changing, the thing he wanted God to take away was the very thing that was given with a purpose and a promise. And if you believe that God can change your circumstances, but he chooses not to, you and I have the option to believe that our circumstances, uh, God has a purpose in mind, that God is doing something good through it, and that he makes this promise that he will provide you with all the grace that you need, that his grace will be sufficient and enough. And why have I highlighted these stories and people? Well, it's because it's this is important. Your unanswered prayer does not mean God is uninterested, honestly. You know, you and John the Baptist have something in common. You and Mary and Martha and Lazarus have something in common. You and Paul have something in common. And why is this important? Well, it's because God's silence is not evidence of his absence. And his apparent absence is not a reflection of God's apathy. And not taking away something, you know, that we don't like doesn't mean that he's not interested. How do we know that? Well, because of the story of John the Baptist, the story of Lazarus and the story of Paul. There are times when we feel abandoned and we're not abandoned. There are seasons of life when God seems silent and still and he is neither silent or still. But I love these words. Jesus said, blessed is he, blessed is she who does not fall away, who doesn't lose their faith on account of me. Now, I started this talk speaking about my family and holidays. Let me finish by talking about my family again, but about those times when we've found ourselves in places that we don't want to be. So first of all, Rachel, my youngest daughter, was told a few weeks ago that she was being made redundant from her job. And she was gutted and upset and she prayed that uh, she'd be able to get another job quickly. 
And she just didn't like the place of uncertainty of how things would work out. And yet within a month of contacting various companies, a local company created a PR job for her so that she could work for them from the middle of August. That's allowed her two weeks unpaid holiday before she starts her new job. Judith, my sister, back in the 1980s had ME and it really knocked her for six. You know, she had times when she was paralyzed, blind, and she prayed that God would heal her. And over a period of years, she began to get better and recovered. And then to her horror, it hit again in 2004 and 2018, both lasting a year before she recovered. And in 1998-99, I prayed that God would heal uh, Sarah from bowel cancer. And as a church, we prayed and fasted and God didn't heal. So does God answering Rachel's prayer so quickly mean God loves Rachel and not Sarah? <laughs> does the slowness of, of my sister's recovery mean that God was less interested in her than Rachel, but more so than Sarah? Well, no, of course not. So how can we respond in those times when life doesn't work out in the way that we'd hoped it would? And here are some assumptions, some lies that we buy into, that God doesn't love me, that he doesn't care, that there's no meaning to this. What's the point of carrying on? It doesn't work. And maybe we need to see things differently, that God does love us overwhelmingly as he did John the Baptist and Lazarus and Paul. And that our disappointment doesn't alter the fact that God loves us recklessly that God's silence is not evidence of his absence, that God's ab apparent absence is not a reflection of his apathy, that God gives you all the grace you need to reveal God's strength through your weakness. You know, God sees a bigger picture than us and sometimes we just have to live with the questions. But you know, God blesses those who don't fall away, who don't lose their faith on account of Jesus not working in the way that we'd want him to. So have a look at your life and the disappointments and see if you've been buying into any of those lies. And maybe it's something you and God need to have a conversation about. You know, is there something that you need to keep praying that God will change? Is there something that you need to stop praying for because God's already said no, like he did to Paul? You know, these are tough issues, but remember Jesus' words, blessed are those who don't fall away on account of me. So let me pray for you. Father God, I want to pray for everyone watching who are facing difficult and tough times in life right now. Lord, it's often a mystery to us why you don't step in and sort it for us, because that's what we all long for. But would you help us to view our situations differently, to not believe the lies that you don't care, that you don't love us, that you're not worth following? And would you help us to trust you, to know your love, experience your care, recognise your presence, and discover that your grace is sufficient, is enough for all of our needs. Please breathe your hope into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.